Today on Locked On Canadians, the Golden Knights come to town and is the top line shuffling experiment over. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 955. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Laura Saba, also known as the Active Stick, and as you see, I'm not joined today by the wonderful Scott Matla of Habs Eyes on the Prize. I've been away for a little while and Scott has been carrying the show by himself, so he's got a couple of days off and you guys are all stuck with me today. Um, but I do want to say thank you to the people who've been leaving comments and stuff saying that they miss having me here. I am back uh, for the time being. I do have a couple of other trips planned, but I also have a couple of solo episodes planned in the coming weeks as well. Uh, so I'll be here. Scott and I will be back recording either for the Friday episode or the Monday episode, depending on how he's doing. Uh, But in the meantime, I did want to say thank you to everybody. Uh, And another quick programming note before we get into the episode is tomorrow is our Friday mailbag. Obviously, there'll be a recap of the Vegas Golden Knights game, which I'm about to get into. But also, please send mailbag questions. You can leave them in the YouTube comments. Just make sure you put mailbag question at the beginning or mailbag or something like that to indicate that you want me to bring it up on the show. Uh, you can also DM us or tweet us on Twitter. Our um, handle is LO underscore Canadians. Scott and I can be found individually all over social media. So you can send me um, mailbag questions at the Active Stick on Threads or Blue Sky or uh, whatever other app uh, you find me on. I'm the Active Stick pretty much everywhere. And most importantly, you can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. That is uh, the best place to kind of send over your mailbag questions. I've gotten a few from our good friend Doghouse already uh, and a couple more. So please send those coming. Uh, This really is your your episode like the Friday episode is your episode also I know you're sick of programming notes but uh, I'll be uh, releasing the schedule of the live episodes that we have planned very very shortly Uh, there'll be uh, a ton of fun stuff there where you can join us um, and ask questions and it'll be a live episode and then obviously we'll be posting the recordings later or the 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 um yeah, essentially the recordings. I'm sorry, I'm very jet lagged. Um, but I did want to talk about a couple of things today um, in today's episode. And I do want to caution that I have been away for uh, 12 days. So all of the hockey uh, information that I've been getting is through stats, uh, recaps and highlights because I did not have access to the games while I was away. Uh, but I tried my best to stay on top of it as possible. So real quick, let's get into the Vegas Golden Knights game. So the Canadians played the Vegas Golden Knights and it was actually one of their dominant games of the season. Um, 
to start when they were in Vegas. But at the time, the Canadians were on a bit of a mini roll. Things were going well. Um, and now we are finding ourselves in a situation where the Canadians have kind of like hit a skid a little bit. Uh, even though they played really well against Calgary, they kind of got really frustrated by the goaltending there. Um, and they're, all the players kind of... I feel like felt that frustration after that Calgary game. So they're coming off an effort where their stats their underlying stats and the effort was good. Um, but they just essentially got, um, they got goalied. And um, for me, the key to the Vegas game is to continue to kind of play the way that they did against Calgary, which is a bit tricky because I did want to talk in there in our next segment uh, about this line shuffling experiment and separating Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield and how I think it's time for that to be revisited. Um, but I think the big key to the game for the Canadians against the Vegas Golden Knights in particular is to not let their foot off the gas, uh, to not get discouraged if they're faced with a situation where against if, if the defense or the goaltending kind of stifles them a little bit. Because what I saw in that Calgary game was that the chances were being generated. Uh, the shots did seem like some, some of the, the, the shots seemed like high danger chances to me. Um, and looking at the underlying numbers, I'm not too far off. Um, and I will also say that I was watching that game in an extremely, extremely jet lagged haze. So um, your mileage may vary on that Vegas game. But, and I also know that, uh, not the Vegas game, I'm so sorry, the Calgary Flames game. Uh, but I think the overall message that, or the, let's, let's say the keys to the game against Vegas for me are the Canadians really, really need to score goals. And that's so much easier said than done, given the way that they've been playing lately. It seems like everybody on the team is snakebitten. Um, and obviously, some players are not benefiting from the optimal line mates for them. Uh, we will get into that in our next segment. I also think that one of the things that the Habs need to do is um, try and keep it together defensively. Um, and I think that... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to say that they need to stay out of the box or they can't lose their heads, but I do feel like the Vegas Golden Knights are kind of team that will bite you in the butt if you end up doing that. So I think the keys are primarily discipline um, and trying, like, I don't know. I don't know how to say, like, they can't fix their luck, right? Like their luck has been pretty off. Uh, but I do think that the Canadians really need to revisit the lineup um, and not to be that guy, but I think they need to bring Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki back together. I completely understand why they were separated. I also feel like they are both not having the seasons that we want them to have, at least watching them with the eye test. Uh, but I also think that it's been a few games, right? Like the Canadians were doing fine. And then there were a few games where things weren't working. So Martin family felt uh, compelled to shake things up a little bit. I don't like Cole Caulfield with Christian Dvorak. Uh, I like him with Christian Dvorak off the ice. Um, they're buddies. That's great. It's fun to watch that content. Uh, but on the ice, I just, I feel like it was fine. And I don't want to see it again. I really don't. I think that what's happening is that 
Cole Caulfield is being forced kind of to be the everything and he's best served being able to play off of somebody who can keep up with him. I'm not really sure if what I'm making makes a whole lot of sense, uh, but I really hope that my jet lag haze uh, isn't affecting the message that I'm trying to get across. I also know that Scott talked a little bit about Josh Anderson and whether he's cursed or not in yesterday's episode. Um, my notes on that are specifically that Josh Anderson, the ideal thing for the Canadians to do with him um, is to trade him for the kind of team that falls in love with the idea of a guy like Josh Anderson at this point. Uh, I did talk to a couple of friends uh, who are a little bit more knowledgeable than I am. They don't feel necessarily that Josh Anderson's trade value is ruined. Um, and all he needs is a little bit of a hot streak. Um, I kind of understand in today's NHL why people wouldn't want to take that contract on uh, at this point. But He's still the kind of player that certain old school GMs love to love. So I'm not giving up on the idea of him being treated. I think he just needs to go on a hot streak. Um, and somebody suggested that Sean Monaghan might be the ideal person to bring out the best in him. And I'm not averse to that. I, I think very highly of Sean Monaghan. A lot of our mailbag questions generally uh, for this year and last year have been, can the Canadians keep Sean Monaghan? It's usually phrased in the should they keep him and then the qualifier in all those questions is the reasons why the uh, the listener thinks that the Canadians should keep him. Um, and I'm generally I'm generally very high on Sean Monaghan and I do think that that's something that needs to be visited. In the meantime, I did want to talk a little bit more about these top line experiments and how they're going um, and maybe mention a name or two that uh, Canadian fans are kind of waiting on and that's coming up on the next segment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. How often do you find out that an artist you love is in town and then you miss the boat on trying to buy tickets, there's a mad scramble, you end up overpaying or not getting any tickets at all. And I'm here to tell you that getting tickets should not be that stressful because now there's Game Time. Game Time has flash deals and it's so easy to use. It is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you purchase, so you know exactly what you're getting into before you arrive. All the prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. I gotta talk about those hidden fees. I really hate when there's a ticket and then you look at it at the end of the day, you end up paying like 50 bucks more with all the levels of hidden fees. Game time doesn't have that. You see that up front and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKDOWNNHL for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk a little bit about these top line experiments. Um, I don't necessarily think that they always need to play Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Yuri Slavkovsky together, um, or they have to go back to, you know, just the same formula over and over and over again. But I did want to revisit the idea of Joshua Wah. <laughs> um, it's definitely something that is on Canadian fans' minds. I... I know the Canadians don't want to rush him. I know he's tearing it up right now in the AHL. I know that that's 
probably where they see the best place for him. They don't want to jump the gun on him. But I want to see this kid on the top line. And I, I don't necessarily know that you have to put um, you have to put Cole Caulfield on there. I just think that if you're going to try to be interesting, separating Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield worked for a very short amount of time. I'm glad I wasn't here to see it um, because it would have broken my heart. But I think you have to put them together and you have to start giving people opportunities because that also kind of sends messages to the players that are on the team already. Like it's it's your spot to lose, right? Like they've tried a lot of people on there. Uh, I know, you know, we are very positive as a group on uh, Jesse Ullinen. We're very positive on a group on Ra- Raphael Harvey Pinard. But at the end of the day, like, we know that those are not the permanent players that are going to play on that line in the future when this is the team's core. I think the Canadians need to start putting in, and, and again, like I know with, with Uri Slavkovsky, it's a little bit of a touchy subject. Um, I think the Canadians need to start with their experiment with players who they know they're going to be are going to be here you know i feel like somebody like an rhp is not going to be on that contending cup team or if he is he's not going to be on the top line i like i don't mean he's like the habs are going to trade him away but he's not going to be on, like that's not his place on a contending team um and i think the same goes for elon and as much as i love what he brings to the table i think that's not the guy so i think the canadians need to start experimenting with players that they see as part of this core so you know i'm sorry like, I think I think definitely it has to be Nick Suzuki on there. Um, I think with Cole Caulfield, I keep hearing things like concern about him. And I have to say I'm not concerned about him because he performs as well as the position that you put him in. And if you put him in a position where he's trying to carry an entire line, that's not his role. He can carry himself. He can finish plays. He can complement to other talented players who know what they're doing. But it's not his job to carry a line. Like, that's something that a guy like Nick Suzuki can do for sure. But it's not Cole Caulfield's role. And one thing I know is that at the end of the day, like, those two are going to be put back together as possibly as soon as the next game. Um, But I just want to see... I want to see the Canadians thinking more long-term on that. And, and they have plenty of time to figure this out. I just want them to, to have like a more long-term approach to that line. I also think that... So I don't know if this is really a safe comparison to make or not, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's it's my episode. I just got back from a long trip. Uh, bear with me. A little bit delirious. A lot of talk right now is about how Alexi Lafreniere in New York is finally living up to expectations. He's finally showing um, what the Rangers saw in him or what made him a first overall pick uh, in that COVID year. He's no longer disappointing. He's finally living up, blah, 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 blah. And I know it has not been very long, but I often see, and again, this is the risky comparison that I'm talking about. I often see parallels in the way people talk about Uri Slavkovsky and Alexei Lafreniere and whatever the Rangers are doing with Lafreniere and whatever he's doing himself, it's working. I will fully admit to the fact that I haven't been closely following the New York Rangers. I have not been keeping up with the Rangers. I barely have the brain capacity to uh, stay on top of what the Canadians are doing. And often without Scott, I wouldn't even be able to do that these days. Um, but in a perfect world, you know, uh, when I'm fully healthy, I can kind of keep an eye on what's going on and what's really 
brought this out in Alexi Lafreniere. And I think the biggest thing for me is that this is not necessarily a blip. This is potentially him living up to his potential finally. And I want to see it sustained for a little while so that we can finally call it. But that's the idea that I have with your eyes, Slavkovsky, is that people are going to be like, was this a mistake? 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 And then like four years later, actually, that was probably, you know, it's working out. And that's bringing me to my next point is that I don't, I don't think that the Canadians have really given Slavkovsky a linear path um, while he's been on the Habs. And I know every episode that we have, whether or not we talk about him, there's always somebody expressing concern about him or thinking that he's a bust. And I think I really want to use the New York Rangers or even Quinton Byfield, right? Like he was also somebody who like it took him a while to kind of live up to what the expectations were. Um, And again, I'm not 100% sure because I've only really been following the Montreal Canadiens and their opponent, like their division rivals this season. But I think that whatever's going on is that a lot of these players, their development has been altered greatly by the fact that there was a global pandemic. Um, And I think the weird and unique journeys that they've had to take to get to the NHL uh, haven't necessarily allowed them to develop in a linear format. So the Canadians also haven't really been linear with the way that they have dealt with him. Um, And I, I'm not too worried in the grand scheme of things, but I think that I want, I want to, I want the Habs to give him like that occasional stint for a prolonged period. And when I say prolonged period, I mean like not just like line shuffling if it doesn't work for the first five minutes of a match, like a couple of games or whatever. So whoever the Canadians have playing on that top line, I think Slavkovsky has to have a chance there for a couple of games at a time and and see how it works because I don't see him necessarily. I don't know where his position is going to be in the long run. We don't know. Without Doc playing regularly, we don't really know like what center, which center he's going to be playing with. But I don't think that it's the end of the world that if he's not a top liner, I don't think it's the end of the world if he's on the second line and that's where he's most effective. I just think that we all kind of need to look at the way that these players have had their development. I don't want to say stunted because there's some people that were not able to play at all, like OHL players. And then there were some people that had just weird and like nonlinear paths. I just think that we need to have that in mind when we talk about Slavkovsky. Um, And finally, I did want to talk a little bit about the Canadians getting back on track and if they can do that. And that is coming up in just one moment here on Locked On Canadians. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That is $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And that's one of the things that I really love is like for me, the fun is in the player props. And obviously it's not just the NFL, you've got the NHL as well. That's 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 you know what most of us know the best. Uh you can definitely uh bet on the NHL on there. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on right now to kick off the NFL season and to really get into the fun stuff. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL. 
and us. All right, so how do the Canadians get back on track? They've had a little tiny bit of a slump lately after that extremely thrilling, uh, exciting win against Boston. I don't even know if it was thrilling exciting. I was just excited that they beat Boston. I think for me, those games are always contextualized by that. Even if I look at the score sheet or if I look at the underlying stats, I'm just always so thrilled when they beat Boston or Toronto that it gives me such a great feeling. And then, you know, obviously... There's a bit of a skid. Um, and how do the Canadians get back on track? So it kind of ties into the keys to the game against Vegas. They have to be able to uh, play a cohesive game. They can't lose their they can't lose their confidence because the puck didn't go in the net. Because oftentimes when they keep doing those little things that are effective, that are generating those chances, et cetera, et cetera, they are the luck will come back, right? The scoring will come back and they'll get back on track. But my big question here too is that I was thinking about this and I was like, it's not fun when the Canadians lose. I can I can tell even from, you know, the tone in our listener comments or, or pe- the interactions that I'm watching online is that people just are more subdued when the Canadians aren't winning. Even though this is a rebuild season, it's still a rebuild season, and even though they are still aiming for a high draft pick, but I do want to highlight a little bit that um, I like that the Canadians are shuffling things and they're they're making changes in response to losses. I just don't necessarily agree that all the changes are working. Um, and we can tell, like, I think Martin St. Louis is, he's not just throwing things at the wall and hoping something sticks. I think there is a calculated reasoning for why he makes the decisions that he makes when he does shuffle the lines. Um, but I, I just, I think that the idea of the Canadians getting back on track is a lot rooted in what we want from the rest of this season. It is November um, and November is when things start to stabilize, right? Like I was, I was looking at the standings in the division the other day and I'm like, Oh, this sounds a bit about right. Right. Like a couple of weeks into the season, the Canadians were way too high ranked way too high in the division standings and the NHL standings as a whole. Um, so I think getting back on track kind of means that, Things are just going to go back to normal. It's going to be a little bit more of a stumbling, bumbling season. But we are going to see bright spots. And I really want to stress that. Like, I think, I think, you know, the five on five play overall in general uh, for this season, I do want to say that I'm, I've been impressed with it overall. Like, there's been a couple of blips where they haven't played well. But I just, I find that getting back on track for me means the Canadians continuing to do those little things, generating those underlying numbers that are, um, that are promising. And I want to, I really want to see, I really want to see consistent improvement in individual players, right? Like I don't want to see, oh, like, oh, Slavkovsky had a great game. I want to see Slavkovsky strung together multiple good performances, right? I know we, we don't have to worry about somebody like Sean Monaghan and even somebody like Josh Anderson, who I don't expect to be part of the team's core when they're contending. I want to see him be consistent again. He is a bit snakebitten. He's a bit unlucky. He doesn't necessarily have the talent to keep up with some of the other players on uh, that he's been paired with, but I want to see him have like consistent performances for a few games um and while i'm still while i'm here uh i did want to shout out Caden Gooley, who's been playing phenomenally and i'm so impressed with him even from far away uh and i just before i end 
ended the show, I did just want to shout him out a little bit. Uh, but we are at the close of the show. So I want to remind everybody to send mailback questions. You can send them to lockedoncanadians at gmail.com. There's obviously a preferred method, but you can also DM us or uh, tweet us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can leave questions in the mailbag comments. Um, in the in the YouTube, just make sure that you put me on my questions so that we uh, we do address the question. In the meantime, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You'll find me all over social media at the Active Stick. Uh, so please, please, please subscribe. Tell your friends. Um, I'm so happy to be back. I hope this episode was somewhat coherent. So thank you for bearing with me on this episode and make sure that you're subscribed uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget your mailbag questions and I will talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.